Welcome to God Signs, featuring J.R. Bucklew, the president and CDO of Deaf Bible Society of Arlington, Texas. Their mission is to see the Bible translated into all the signed languages of the world so that deaf people from every nation will finally be able to see the Word of God in their native language of hand signs so that they too will come to know and to love Jesus. I'm Marshall Lawrence, and I'm usually the guy who dials the knobs and flips the switches on this program, but I'm also the father of a deaf daughter. So today, JR wants me in the guest's chair, and I'm honored to join him there in a minute or two. JR? Our scripture for today will be coming to us from Ephesians chapter 6. So let me read starting in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I think about this passage quite often, actually. I'm sure many of you do as well, especially if you have children, whether they're in the home, small children, older children, whether they've grown and have, have, have left the home and are living on their own. Uh, I know it's especially true when we first brought our daughter home, uh, we had had quite quite the experience uh, after delivery. She was in the NICU for about ten days, and but when we finally got home, there was this really odd feeling that that my wife and I had. You know, we 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 sort of laid her in her bassinet there, and just sort of stared at her, and we were thinking, okay, what what do we do now? What are we supposed to do with this thing? Uh, it, it, it doesn't do a whole lot for us at the moment. Um, but we know we love this little being for, for absolutely nothing that it can do for me. You know, it's really weird. Sometimes we love people because of who they are to us or what they can do for us. But with this child, it was, we just loved this kid. And I think maybe for what we could do for her. Uh, and, and I'm still figuring that out as she's growing up. She'll be two this fall. But I remember the experience, you see, because in my home, um, we speak English. My wife is from Ethiopia, so she speaks Amharic. Uh, my mother-in-law is from Ethiopia, and her native language is Tigrinya. Um, and my mother uh, was living with us and who is deaf, we've talked about that before. And so for her, her native language was American Sign Language. Well, all of these languages in the home, and it's been incredible to watch her grow and learn and begin to speak some of these languages, begin learning her first signs, beginning to communicate. But I can't help but think about someone like my friend Marshall, who you've heard uh, announce our program for several weeks now, and if you remember, several weeks ago, he made a comment talking about things that he didn't know about deaf people until he had a daughter that was deaf. And I think that experience, that there's a lot for us in his story. There's a lot we can learn. Uh, I don't know how many of you listening have deaf children, have a deaf sibling. Maybe you're like me, maybe you're a CODA. Um, you have deaf parents. All of our experiences are quite different. But trying to imagine, what would it be like? I mean, think about this. 
you come home with your newborn. You're doing maybe the same thing that we did. You, you lay him or her down on the bed and you just sort of stare for a little while and you think, okay, here we go. We're going to try to raise this child up uh, in the Lord. We're going to, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And I'm going to carry out that command and do that. And then all of a sudden, time goes by. And at some point, you realize, well, your child's deaf. Well, Lord, how am I supposed to bring this child up in the discipline and instruction that you've given us. What am I supposed to do with this? Well, now I don't want to share uh, Marshall's testimony in this, and so I thought today would be a wonderful time to bring Marshall in the studio with us and have this conversation. Marshall, uh, thank you so much for being willing to share with us today. Oh, no, happy to do it. Uh, this has been a quite a journey for us, and uh, so always glad to have any opportunity to share what God's been doing in our lives. Absolutely. Well, I think it would be good. Um, could you start, just sort of tell us, you know, uh, was was your deaf child, who, who is your child? Uh, was it your firstborn? Had you already had children? What was the experience like, not yet knowing that they're deaf, but just bringing, bringing them home? And then what was the journey to when you found out that they were deaf? Well, uh, we had our youngest daughter. We have two daughters. Uh, we say we have one who can't hear and one who won't listen, uh, which is. Um, but uh, the second daughter was the uh, the one who had the hearing issue. And um, when she, she came home from the hospital, she seemed perfectly healthy. And we had no inkling uh, that she had any kind of a hearing problem until she was simply not acquiring language. Like, uh, she wasn't babbling. She wasn't doing anything like that. She just kind of uh, not putting things together. So we took her back to the doctor several times uh, to get her tested, their hearing tested or something. At that time, they did not test the hearing uh, of, a, of an infant with an auditory brainstem thing. What they did was um, they just simply gave them to you. Mm. So um, it wasn't until she was about 18 months old, that um, I was convinced that she didn't hear what was going on. And it, it took us a while uh, to then get her some hearing aids. And um, Why, what, what, what convinced you? Well, I, she was in her room after her nap uh, fussing, and she wanted to be picked up. Mm. So I, uh, I came in the room, and she had her back turned to me, and she was looking out the window. It was a rainy kind of day, so it was rather dark in the room. And I called to her, and no response at all. And I called louder, and no response. And then finally, I called rather loudly. Still nothing. So then I turned the light switch on, and she wheeled around instantly, and she gave me the big grin, you know, and say, oh, daddy. And I, or, well, she didn't say anything, but she, uh. And I knew then that she just wasn't getting the, the sound. It just wasn't getting there. So... We did a number of tests after that, and finally they did a, um, a, a brainstem, that auditory brainstem test where they send clicks through the child's ears, and then they watch brain waves on a computer. Hmm. And then they'll be able to see what she recognizes and what she doesn't. 
And that's tracking that there's actually sound being translated into the brain yeah, yeah. that she's picking it up. That's what they were looking for. Yeah, they knew what the volume was going in, and then they just kept boosting it until they um, they got a, a, a brainwave that indicated recognition of the sound. And that's when we found out she was 95 decibels down in each ear, which is rather dramatic. How did you feel in that moment? What was it like for you? What, what, were you angry? Were you confused? Were you frustrated? What, what, what was it like for you? Well, initially, I felt relief that we knew what we were up against. Mm-hmm. I mean, because we just kept being told, no, we don't see anything wrong. Finally, we got a little vindication that obviously there was something wrong. So from that standpoint, at least I felt that now we have a path. I mean, we can figure out the path. So that was my uh, initial response. I think my wife's was roughly the same as that. Did the did the doctors help you at all? Were they um, did they seem to be? Did, did they try to encourage you in the moment? Were they trying to educate? What what were the, what was their response? Well, the doctors didn't really have much of a response. We we went back to the hearing specialist and uh, and we talked with them, and they kept edging the um, the Kleenex toward us as they were giving us these this report because I guess they thought we were going to you know, cry. I, I, apparently that happens a lot. Neither one of us really cried about it because we kind of already knew. It was just nice to have the doctors understand that what we were, or confirm what we already knew was happening. Um, so our approach wasn't um, sadness as much as where do we go from here? What do we do with this? Um, so the uh, the audiologist suggested that we try hearing aids. Um, now this was before the cochlear implants were. I mean, it just had started being released, and so they did not make a, a recommendation for cochlear implant to us because she had some residual hearing, mm-hmm. and um, even then, I'm, well, always. Uh, they they sever the aural nerve in order to um, install these implants, and therefore there is no uh, there's no residual hearing left after they do that. Mm-hmm. So he thought, well, let let's see how use whatever residual hearing she has with hearing aids and see what happens with that. And so that's what we tried, and we worked with that and a speech therapist for a ther- therapist for maybe. Oh, maybe two years, something like that. Um, how did she? How did she respond to the hearing aids? Well, at first she hated them. Just the first day, she just absolutely hated them. She didn't know what was going on. She was scared. The second day, she didn't fight me so much. And the third day, she brought them to me. So it it didn't take her long to recognize that this was a new stimulus there. But at first, she was just terrified. How, however, she got over that pretty quickly. My, uh, my older daughter uh, was pretty angry with us for making her wear the hearing aids, but we were trying to figure out a path, and um, so that's what we did. Were you introduced to any other families that were in the same situation as you at this time? Were you able to connect with people that were on the same journey? Um, not so much. 
not at that point, not in the small community where we went. Um, we did um, she, we did put her into like a preschool program, and I think there might have been maybe one other child in that program that was wearing hearing aids. Um, but that for that period of time before we decided on sign language, then that's it, she was pretty much isolated. When was sign language introduced to you? Well, after we uh, had uh, been going to this uh, uh, audiolog- audiologist that helped us uh, set up with the, um, the hearing aids, and we, and we were taking her to a speech therapist. Um, but she had done her interns, internship at the Indiana School for the Deaf. So she was familiar with the program down there. And um, as she saw very little progress being made, uh, relatively speaking, for Rachel, she recommended that we might want to check out that campus in Indianapolis, which was three hours from home. So it was a residential program. It was a residential program, yeah. How did, how did you initially feel about that? Well, I mean, it was, it was agony, uh, but we were looking for some answers. So we went and visited the place, and... As soon as we got there, Rachel was placed in a classroom so she could have some interaction with other kids. And the first thing she did when she saw these other kids with hearing aids, she pointed to them and pointed to her ear and pointed to them and said, same, me, same. Uh, you know. Um, and then we had the, the conversation with the uh, teachers while she was in there playing with the other kids. And that, well, actually, it wasn't just teachers. It was the whole staff, you know, the audiologists and all of the, all the people. And they said, um, well, what would you want us to do for your child? And I, I said, I want you to teach her how to be deaf. I don't know how to be deaf. She needs to learn how to be deaf and, and how to deal with all of that, you know. And they were stunned, and I thought, "Oh my goodness, I, I I've hurt somebody's feelings." I, uh, what did I what did I say? And I said, "Did I say, I say something wrong?" I said, "Oh no, no, it's just that parents never tell us that. They want us to fix their child. They want us to teach them how to hear, and we can't do that. But we can teach her how to be deaf." And give her a life that you don't know anything about yet, but you will. Hmm. And that's, that's uh, how we decided to, to place her in the deaf school. We really felt that was going to be the right thing. But it was a, a residential program three hours from home, and that was going to be really, really hard on this little girl who's barely four at this point. So, Why do you think... Um so it sounds like the teachers or the staff were quite surprised at your your request of them. You know, teach her how to be deaf. Yeah. Why do you why do you think that's not a normal way of thinking for parents that find themselves in the same situation as you? Well, I think most of us who are hearing, we we just always think of language meaning speech. Mm. We just that's kind of where we are. And most of the planet, that's where they are. But uh, Terry and I were fortunate, I think, because we had had, as majors in college, communications. That, that, those were our majors. Mine was speech uh, and drama and uh, oral communication, and I was in broadcasting for years. 
Um, and and hers was in uh, written and oral communication and, and speech. So she taught speech and uh, speech, like um, getting up and giving speeches, in um, in university and college. So th- that was our background. We were just like real hearing people. You know, I was a radio announcer for crying out loud. Um, but we also understood that the the biggest use of language is to think in. You use your language to manipulate ideas. You can only go so far imagining pictures in your head and movement of things. If you're if you're going to deal with something uh, in a and be able to look at it from multiple angles, you need a language, yeah. something to be able to think in. So that was that was what we wanted for her. We use our language. We talk to ourselves all the time. Those of you who are listening at, at home, you talk to yourself all the time. You, we all know that you do. We all do it. She needed a language more than she needed speech. She needed a language to think in and dream in and to evaluate life with. For her, the natural language is sign language. So she could see those fingers flashing in her head instead of hearing words in her head. But that would enable her to manipulate complex ideas and thoughts. And frankly, that was also the best path to teach her to read English. It was through learning the concept for something in ASL and then translating the concept to those little squiggles on the page. Yeah. So that's why. The One of the teachers shared with you that that they were going to help her be ready for a world that you don't even know yet. Yeah, that's right. What What was the journey like as you began to uncover what that world was? Well, the first part of the journey was uh, excruciating because this was a residential school. We had to leave her there. That was really hard, and it was hard to um, – it was hard on her. She had no way of knowing what was going on. But after she came home on the bus – about three times, and she got the idea two, three times. Oh, that's home. This is school. But the first time she had to go back on the bus, she just cried and cried, and she said three of the words she knew. Me be good. Me be good. Mm. Me be good. Don't, you know, please don't send me down there. I'll be good. I'll, I, I promise. She thought you were sending her away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what else could she think? Yeah. So that was, I, mean, I can't speak of these things without crying. I mean, it's just even now. The, the wounds were so deep. Um, and, I, and she does uh, the same thing. And yet she loves her life. She loves her deaf friends, the deaf culture. She loves the language. She, um, she's great. She just loves it. For you, uh, getting through some of those hardest moments, the getting to the point to where she realized you weren't sending her away. She it wasn't she wasn't being bad. There was a plan. You you uh, you were introducing her to this world. She was now able to learn and communicate and those people like you said that were the same as her. She she had community. As you and Terry began to um, become more aware of this world, uh, what really what was it? Because we're going to talk more about this next week. But something happened for you. Uh, because today your full-time job is not broadcast radio, um, other than you know, working with us here. 
but but that's not your full time job. You're doing something very different than what you set out to do oh, in yeah. the beginning. What <laughs> what happened? Well, um, you, you know, I wanted to become involved in her world now as much as I could. Um, so we we both started taking sign language classes, my wife and I, and we. Um, and learned a lot from them, and we got down to the deaf school every chance we could, and um, and then it's understanding a little bit more about this language. It it began to occur to us that uh, um, the the most important thing we wanted to share with her was our faith, mm. and for her to be able to do that, she needed to learn a language, and then we needed to be able to communicate in that language as well, so that she could understand who who Jesus was and, and who God was. Um, so that was the path, the, the, the process for us, I think, was the, main, was the biggest thing. And then little by little, we, real, we began to realize. Um, I remember I was very frustrated because there weren't any Christian resources. We couldn't find any Christian resources in American Sign Language, especially f- for deaf children, yeah. you know. And we we just searched everywhere and just couldn't find a thing. Well, finally, I decided, you know, I wonder if I could, if I could just find like an interpreter or something, and or a group of them, and maybe we could do some videos where somebody does some sign language, you know, Bible stories or something, you know. So I decided to drop in on an old friend who was now then working at uh, as the communications director of the university that we graduated from. And I thought I'd drop in on him and uh, just see if he could help us figure out how much it would cost to do some videos like that. So I dropped in on him one day unannounced, and uh, his secretary says, oh, I am so sorry. He would love to talk to you. I know he would. But he's in a recording session, or actually an editing session today, with two people who had driven quite some distance to get here. And I know that they're behind schedule. I'm sure he's not going to be able to see you today. I'm really sorry. I said, ah, well, you know, I could have called first, I guess. Um, but since you've got this new facility here, can I see it? Because that was my old alma mater. I'd like to see what you're doing in broadcasting. I was working in broadcasting. So I took the tour. And as I was walking through and looking at all this stuff, I heard a Sandy Patty song, Let There Be Praise. Uh-huh. And I turned in the direction of the music, and I saw this group of people signing to this song. I said, what is that? He said, that's what they're editing today. That's why you can't go in there. I said, watch me. I'm going in there. That's why I came. That's the reason I'm here. This was a God moment. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I got goosebumps all over me. I have them again today talking about it. That was a God moment when I walked in that room and I met the, uh, the founder of Door and uh, the uh, videographer at Deaf Missions. And I said, do you have anything like this for kids? And they said, you know, we wanted to do something like this for kids, but we're spending so much money on these recordings and everything. The only way we could do it is if we could find a a songwriter who could work with us. (laughs) Well, you knew a guy that had gotten his degree in communications and yeah. broadcasting. As a matter of fact, yeah. In fact, uh, uh, the first national recording that Sandy Patty had ever put out yeah. was a little song called I Could Never Have Imagined. I wrote that song. Yeah. 
So I had been in Christian music, too, and writing songs and traveling around for years and years and years. So this was a God moment where we we were put together, and um, within a few months, uh, we had a couple of the people who are now on your staff and my daughter and some other people, kids, shooting signed songs uh, in a, a project called Special Me. Uh, many, 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 many years ago. Well, Marshall, uh, this is, your story is quite amazing, and uh, I look forward to diving in more next week as we begin to look at the ministry that you're involved in with Deaf Kids. So thank you, Marshall. Thank you, JR. Thank you for caring about Deaf Kids and working so hard alongside linguists and translators around the world so Deaf children will be able to see God's Word in their heart language, the language they dream in and think in, There's not a child on earth who is not included in Jesus' invitation to let the children come to me. Every human is precious to God. And the greatest gift we can give our children is the knowledge of how our kids can build a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There are so many deaf adults in the world who will die without ever being able to read his word in their own native sign language. But we still have a fighting chance to finish new sign language translations of the Bible for the children of the world. Won't you help us do that? Please visit GodSigns.com and make a generous contribution to this vital need. GodSigns.com Most deaf people around the world don't know you, but they need you in order to someday touch the face of God. GodSigns.com Thank you. And now here's J.R. Bucklew with some parting thoughts. J.R. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really um, pleased that we had the opportunity to speak more with Marshall today. You know, many of you out there may be wondering, uh, what, what does this family look like? What is the dynamic like today? And I would really like to encourage you, uh, if you have Amazon Prime, you can go in Amazon Prime and you can find a documentary that was released uh, about Marshall and his family and the experience they had with their daughter. And it's called In a Silent World. Um, if you don't have Amazon Prime, you can also find that online where you can access and purchase a digital copy. But a phenomenal documentary that I think is really going to touch your heart. And so I would encourage you to, to look that up and engage. And as you do, uh, think about Marshall think about his story, uh, his daughter Rachel's story, in light of the scripture we read today from Ephesians 6. Because just like Marshall, you and I have the same responsibility with our children. And that doesn't necessarily even have to be our biological children. When you look out in the streets and you see the kids that are playing, the kids that are going to school, the kids in our community, What a responsibility we have of bringing them up in the instruction of the Lord. How are you going to be a beacon of light, a beacon of the gospel in the lives of kids in your community? And remembering something that Marshall said, that it's it's language, it's communication. That's how they'll begin to think about the things of the Lord, the things of the gospel. How many deaf kids are in your neighborhood? How many kids that speak a different language in your neighborhood? Really be praying about this and then go do this. Go seek them out. Go see where they are. 
And tune in next week for God Signs as we dive in deeper to see what God's doing among deaf kids around the world. Thank you, JR. Those of you who are listening on the radio may not know that this entire program is available in American Sign Language for deaf people to see. Well, it is at GodSigns.com. So far as we know, this is the first Christian radio program providing a sign language version online. So invite your deaf friends and family to see the entire program free each week at GodSigns.com. Until next week, from all of us at Deaf Bible Society, God bless you. For God Signs, as we dive in deeper to see what God's doing among deaf kids around the world. Thank you, JR. Those of you who are listening on the radio may not know that this entire program is available in American Sign Language for deaf people to see. Well, it is at GodSigns.com. So far as we know, this is the first Christian radio program providing a sign language version online. So invite your deaf friends and family to see the entire program free each week at GodSigns.com. Until next week, from all of us at Deaf Bible Society, God bless you. Thank you.